Welcome to Season 2, Episode 11 of Penned In. This week, I interviewed superhero romance author Jessica Selina about writing, life, and more. When did you first know that you wanted to be a writer? Oh, I was about probably, let's see, when I was in kindergarten, actually. So we had a project we had to do in kindergarten that was like a little book that was just like to introduce the class. And it was like a lot of like basic stuff. Like, this is my pet. Like, this is my family. And like, what I want to be when I grow up. And I put author as one of them. So I guess since kindergarten. Why did you choose to write the the romance genre specifically? So I am a huge romance fan in general. I always have been. I probably always will be. For me, I, and I, again, this is not to like talk bad about stories that don't have a happily ever after. I think that some of my favorite books don't. But for me personally, like I love having a happily ever after. I feel like in life, like we all go through so much that like, it's nice to know when you pick up a book, you want to escape, just like relax. Like, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be a happy ending. What are some of your favorite and least favorite tropes within the genre? Oh, gosh. So favorite tropes, I am a sucker for only one bed. I eat it up every time without fail. Whenever they walk into like an inn or a cabin, I'm like, is there one bed? Is there one bed? Is there one bed? (laughs) So I just eat it up. I like friends to lovers in contemporary, but I like enemies to lovers in fantasy. I feel like it just it hits different in fantasy, right? But it has to be done right. Like, I don't like it when they're like literally trying to kill each other. But if there's a little fighting, then we get to see that evolution. So I think that's always fun, too. For least favorite, I would say probably miscommunication. But I feel like that's, like, very common. Like, a lot of people don't really like miscommunication tropes. That's not, like, a super hot take. And personally, I'm not a huge fan of the pregnancy trope just because I'm not super into that. But I know some people are. So just not my cup of tea. What is your process for writing your novels? So for me, my process for writing is I have to have an outline. Like it's a non-negotiable. Otherwise, I will just go off the rails. I've tried writing a book without an outline before, and then I ended up just outlining it anyway. (laughs) If I try to pants it, I just would be like, okay, now what? (laughs) So it's always better for me to have an outline so I can kind of know exactly what direction I'm going in. I don't say super strict with it, but I do like to have at least like one bullet point per chapter of like, this is what I want to happen. And then if other stuff kind of, you know, as I'm writing comes up, like, hey, this actually feels like this would flow really well, or this needs to get shuffled around, then I will. I'm not going to like be super, super married to it, but it at least gives me a good direction. How long generally does it take you to write a book? So I'm a pretty quick drafter. I like to participate in all of the NaNoWriMo challenges. So that's writing about 50,000 words in a month in November, or it can be a little more lax for their camp ones that they do in the summertime and in the spring. Um, But if I'm not doing a nano challenge, then 
it usually will take me anywhere from like three to six months for a first draft. That's not including editing. <laughs> How did you find out about NaNoWriMo? Gosh, I think I had a friend mention that they were participating. And I was like, oh, that sounds really interesting. So I looked into it and then just went from there. Where I currently live is in the Orlando area, and they do events at Disney World, too. So they'll do at Disney Springs and at some of the resorts where you don't need a park ticket. We'll, like, all grab our laptops and just, like, we call it right around Walt Disney World. So that way you can go out and be with your fellow writers and be at the Disney parks and get a cool writing experience in that way. So that was something that was really cool, too, that I saw just online. And I was like, okay, yeah, I have to do that. What was your favorite area in the parks to write? That's so cool. Yeah, so we wrote mostly at the resorts. We had a very fun time at the Grand Floridian because they have the piano player there. So it was just nice. So it's like very classy. So it's like in a nice, like really relaxing with the piano. And it was just very lovely. (laughs) What are some of your favorite or top writing resources that you use, if any, to help you write? I'm a huge fan of Save the Cat. Uh, the Save the Cat like, plot structure in that book is like a godsend. I always like to have it handy when I'm starting to plot. I find that without it, I feel like something is always lacking. And so I can always turn to that to be like, okay, what's missing? What do I need to add? Like, are there any beats? Like, is the pacing going to be okay? And that was, was just a great resource for that. And then I swear by different writing software. I cannot write in Google Docs. And I know a lot of people are concerned with like the rise of like AI training and things like that. So I personally use Scrivener. I find there's a little bit of a learning curve, but they have some really great tutorials on their YouTube channel that I found were way more helpful than like the written tutorials. So that's what I really rely on. Do you have any sort of process for creating the characters of your novel? A lot of my characters, what I like to do is I will think of personality traits and things like that for people I know in real life. So while one character isn't ever explicitly exclusively based on, say, one person, I think pulling from what you know in reality is always going to make something feel a little more fleshed out and a little more real. And also, too, I think a lot of people can say this, like a lot of characters, you know, you'll look at some of your favorite characters and say, okay, what can I learn from this character in this book that I loved or this character that I really resonated with? What did I think the author did well? What did I think they maybe didn't do so well? Where do I think they could have been a little more fleshed out and kind of use that for inspiration too? I've had a lot of fun asking this kind of related question. If you could take the place of any of your characters and live out their lives, who would it be and why? Oh God. Oh my gosh, I've put my characters through so much. So like probably none of them, to be honest. (laughs) They go through it, man. (laughs) But let's see. So I think I would have to pick probably Jolene from my book Etched in Ink. It's the fourth one in my superhero romance series because she has tattoo magic, which I think is a really cool superpower and it's kind of limitless. So anything that she tattoos or has tattooed on her body she can kind of bring to life and use accordingly so I think that would be very nifty so River Peak is obviously a series full of superheroes what would be your superhero (laughs) name and the power that comes with it 
Oh, names. Names are so hard. So a quick funny story that's kind of related to this is when I was trying to figure out a name for the main superhero who's hematite named after the stone because it's a, a black gemstone for protection. And that's his biggest thing. And there's a whole story for how he gets his name. But when I was looking at Pettigate, what name to pick for him? I'm like Googling all these ideas I had. And I was like, oh my God, like, and I'm a big fan of like Marvel and DC comics. And you don't realize, even if you're a big fan, like just how many of them there are, there were hundreds, I think close to like a thousand just with Marvel alone. So trying to find a name is like so hard. But my superpower, I think I would love to be able to either teleport or fly because I like to travel and that would save so much money and make life so much easier. I think would just be, like super great for getting to get out there and see the world and also a good environmental impact because you're not having to like drive or go on a plane so it's a win-win so are you more of a marvel fan or a dc fan i think i like more marvel heroes than i do dc but i am a huge fan of like the bat fam and nightwing and beast boy and raven and starfire so i like that subset of dc for sure but I think more Marvel heroes. That was also my first superhero was Spider-Man. I'm a massive Daredevil fan, as is my husband. So I think Marvel trumps in this house. I think you sound a lot like me because I started with Spider-Man and I've been watching Teen <laughs> Titans and now they're like some of my favorites. Who, who are some of your favorite superheroes of all time? Daredevil is number one for me. It's funny. It actually was a big inspiration for the first book in the series, Not My Time. Uh, so Kane is heavily inspired by the likes of Daredevil, Spider-Man. I love the street level fighters, Spider-Man being another favorite of mine. My very first superhero was Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man in a movie theater. And little eight-year-old Jess watched him and Mary Jane like make out upside down, mask on. And my tastes clearly have not changed ever since. So, <laughs> so obviously you, you love watching superhero movies outside of writing. What else do you like to do outside of that? Yeah, so probably not a surprise because I feel like this is all within the same realm. Very much into cosplay. So my husband and I will cosplay a lot together from different either superhero comics or Star Wars or different anime or manga that we're enjoying. Uh, video games, too. Our most recent that we did were from Legend of Zelda. Who is your favorite character that you've ever cosplayed? So my favorite that I've cosplayed is probably Mifa from Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. That was such a labor of love to build. She has the full shark head. She has a fin on the back of her head. So just building that, having to paint my face. I have to get a new face paint because the last one I used, it said, do not put red by the eyes. And I went, what could go wrong? It'll burn your eye. That's what'll go wrong. <laughs> so I'll be looking for new face paint. But she's definitely, I think, my favorite just because that was such an intensive build. Now, I believe you've cosplayed one of your own fictional characters before what was that experience like creating that costume and being able to yeah. be them for a day it was super fun so I did for Instagram on Halloween a cosplay of hematite's get up which was very fun to go online and piece together the different parts so what hematite wears in the book is a lot of tech wear so like kind of like grungy black balaclava face scarves hoods so you can't see its face and just blends into the night so it was really fun to piece together all those different bits and to kind of see it like brought to life on a person. Um, obviously, I think Kane rocks it way better than I do. Um, but I know my husband wants to build a costume for that too. So I'm hoping he does one of these days because that would be also really cool, I think. What has been the most challenging aspect of the writing process for you? Oh, gosh. I think 
I would say probably marketing. And I think for me, that's one of the most challenging because I work in marketing as my day job. So when I get off from my nine to five, I enjoy turning my marketing brain off for a little bit, but with having to market your books, you don't really get that luxury. So I like to give myself to kind of mitigate that a little downtime. So I'll get off of work, go for a walk, maybe play a little Animal Crossing and just like relax so I can like properly turn off my brain if I'm treating the day, you know, for marketing instead of writing my next book. So that way I can at least have a little bit of a separation. So obviously that takes a lot of brain power. How do you prevent yourself from burning out? I'm very lucky that I have a fantastic day job that is like very big on work-life balance and like legitimately is like, they're not one of those companies that like claims to be, but actually isn't. They're genuinely fantastic. So that helps, but I know it's not a luxury that everybody has. So I think for me, a lot of it just comes down to just seeing what mood I'm in. I've tried forcing myself to have a schedule and having nano rhymo season helps with this because I can say, okay, this month I'm going to really focus on this and buckle down. And this is going to be how I spend a good chunk of my free time. And then I can get it all done in like four weeks or the bulk of it done in four weeks and then not really have to worry about it being the bulk of my day for the remainder of the year. Um, so that helps me a little bit, but just when there's not a NaNoWriMo coming up, I will just take it bit by bit. I think one thing a lot of people don't realize is like just how much like a little bit does add up every day. So even if I am not really feeling it, it's no big deal because the next day I can just get a few words in. So even if I get 10 words in, that's 10 words I didn't have before. So I think it's just a matter of remembering that some words on the page is better than no words on the page. But if the words aren't coming, I'm not going to force them because they're going to be better if I rest. To you, what makes a good story? Gosh, for me, I think a good balance between character and plot. And I think as long as those can complement each other, because I think if something is too plot driven, then I wish the characters were more fleshed out. Or if something was too character driven, I feel like the story tends to drag a little bit. So I, I like having a nice balance. And I think something that can combine that and I think also is something that people can relate to and has a good universal message, even if it's told from a specific point of view. Is there anything you would like to see more of in the romance genre? Oh, geez. I think in romance, one thing I enjoy a lot that I don't see too, too often is I think having more diversity in our stories and publishing's getting better about this, but I think, and this is bigger in indie, I feel like too, but even in trad, just allowing more seats at the table, whether that be BIPOC, whether that be, you know, mental health representation, different neurodivergencies, you name it. I think the more seats at the table that we can have for people, the, the merrier. And for me personally, even though I am a straight white woman, I enjoy reading stories from other people's perspectives because that's how we open up our, our worldview. So one of my favorite romance novels was a queer romance and you don't have to be queer to enjoy that. So I think having more seats at the table is going to be, I think, really big in the future. And I look forward to seeing more of that. What are some of your favorite romance novels? One of my favorites that I just mentioned is Last Night at the Telegraph Club. I thought that was just very beautifully written. I am also a huge fan of, oh gosh, so many. <laughs> I've read so many in the last year. I feel like a lot of them are blending together. But what do I have on my shelf? I've recently dropped a bunch off at the Little Free Library. I really enjoy anything by Emily Henry. 
I really liked Book Lovers, I think is a favorite by her. I haven't gotten around to reading Happy Place yet. But any rom-com she writes, I just eat up. I really liked Icebreaker. I thought that one was very fun. There's so many that I've read. There was a YA romance that I read called Nerd Crush that was very cute about a cosplayer. I think that one just came out this year. Yeah, it's on my TBR. I have it. It's like in my list of audiobooks. I just haven't gotten around to it yet, actually. I listened to the audiobook when it came out. It was really cute. All right, good to know. I'll have to I'll have to up it on my TBR then. I think if I did my research correctly, you were a journalist at some point. Were I was. There... Okay, I was right. Were you <laughs> were there any big writing lessons you took away from that job and then got to use in your creative writing? Yes, actually. I would say the power of brevity. So I was a producer for the 5 a.m. newscast of a CBS affiliate. And I was there for about two years. And part of your job as a producer is writing the scripts for your show. So whatever the anchors are going to say. And for a lot of that, you have to be very short. It's short, snappy, punchy. If the reporter is not reporting on it live, that's when you're going to get a segment that's going to be about 90 seconds. But a lot of the scripts we like to keep to, if we could help it, 15 or less which is short. <laughs> so how do you take a story that, you know, you get pulled in from, you know, CBS National in written format, that's like a whole page long. And how do you turn that into a 15 second script? I think the power of brevity, it, it's actually funny, because now it's the opposite problem when you're writing a novel, right? You want to have it be, you know, especially for romance, I try to keep mine around 70,000 to 90,000 words. So it's like going from having to be something be like a sentence to a full novel has actually been a little challenging of a transition but very fun but I think knowing when to keep things brief is really powerful because then that way you know when to make sure your pacing doesn't drag how to keep conversations feeling a little more realistic working on those filler words <laughs> that's just something I think all writers are guilty of a filler word I know for me I always have to go through and command f the word just and just delete half of them so out of curiosity why did you decide to to leave journalism for a more marketing oriented job for me, it just, it wasn't for me. What ended up happening was at the time, so this was when I was in an area that was at a high, high flood risk for during a hurricane, because I'm in Florida right now. And we were told that it was going to be about 15 foot of storm surge. And the station was located basically on top of a river. It was like right next to it that went by the parking lot. And one of the producers asked, okay, so like, when do we get off air and go home? And the answer was when we no longer can go on air. And we all were like, Oh, so when we're dead, <laughs> great, thanks, I hate it. <laughs> and we had recently had a change in management. The managers, when I had been hired on, you volunteered if you wanted to stay for hurricane season, if there was a hurricane. This one, it was mandatory. And I said, I don't think so. I'm going to go evacuate. <laughs> and then ended up quitting before I could get fired. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's fair. I would I yeah. would. <laughs> Um, I was like "Mm, not for me not for me (laughs) yeah I I wouldn't want to risk that either especially after some of the documentaries I've seen recently so no (laughs) (laughs) all right so obviously I think I say obviously a lot but um on your website you said you're you're working on like republishing the river Mm -hmm. peak hero series what has that process been like yeah so and for the record, I can't talk about this too, too much <laughs> for legal reasons. <laughs> but I had started the series with a indie press, but 
we ended up parting ways just we had a few different creative differences no hard feelings for them I have a few friends that publish with them and they're great and their books are very fun but basically just taking them and republishing them has been definitely a process so I've definitely learned the ins and outs of you know Kindle Direct publishing and I even ended up making the covers on my own in Canva uh, just because with four of them, I was like, I wish I could afford a cover artist. But at the point in time, I was like, I can't, especially for four at a time. And it was weird timing because the second book was due to come out at like the same time. So she was like, all right, let's just crack down and learn how to do this and get moving. So it's been very insightful. <laughs> Are you working on any projects right now besides River Peak? Or has that just been your complete focus right now? I am actually. So River Peak, I think, is done with book four. My husband is a big fan of the series. He might be a little biased, but he desperately wants a fifth and is trying to bully me into it. And he might win that fight. Mm. <laughs> Who knows? I don't want to, you know, never say never. But currently I am seeking representation for a contemporary rom-com that I wrote that takes place at a ski lodge. A woman quits her job and goes to work as a live-in resort manager for a failing ski lodge to help its ex-professional snowboarder owner bring it back to life and then I am currently writing I'm juggling two works in progress depending on my mood I have another rom-com that I'm writing and also a vampire story that I'm writing vampire romance so definitely two different totally different stories but I'm a, a mood reader and a mood writer so I guess it's only fitting what is the most inspiring aspect of the writing publishing process for you Oh, the most inspiring? Hmm. That's a good question. I think for me, hmm, I think just having always dreamed of like holding my book in my hand, you know, being able to get to do that. And I think it's been also really special getting to know other authors, you know, in different online writing communities and things like that or through Nano and just kind of getting to all root for each other. It's nice because I think with publishing, you know, I think Yes, you know, imposter syndrome is very much a thing, but I think at the end of the day, we all know that we're like all in this together and that it's not really a competition. So it's just nice to see everybody just uplift each other. What would be your advice for aspiring authors? For aspiring authors, I would say be gentle with yourself, be patient. I struggle with patience and publishing, whether you're doing it trad or indie, it's a slow industry. Everything's very slow. It just is what it is. And I know a big part of that too is because, you know, agents and editors are all, you know, overworked, but so we want to give them grace, but just be patient with yourself, be patient with the process, give yourself grace. And I would say to just keep writing and to keep reading because those are the two best ways to really hone your craft. Well, those are all my questions. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Want to learn more? You can find her website linked in the description below, along with a link to purchase her latest re-release of Not My Time, book one in the River Peak Heroes series. And that's all for this week. As always, thank you guys so much for listening in, and make sure to subscribe on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Spotify.